Hey, welcome to Philosophy Friday. Stay with us. Hey, brother, how's it going? Good, man. Um, it was going. It was going good the first time around, and then I worked out this <laughs> recording, and now it's going good again. And uh, right. I'll just let the listeners know some of the travail we have to go through to get this thing done for them. Uh, we did all of this already, and then I saved the master file as an edited file and deleted Thursday, or oh, at least Friday and Saturday. And so now we're doing Friday and Saturday again. This is commitment, right? Commitment to the cause. Yeah. Technology glitches, man. Part of the fall. Part of the fall, part of the, the deal, part of the package deal. And yeah. you got Digital it. thistles and digital thorns. <laughs> and we and they've <laughs> got to know about Big Bang Theory. You know, it's... it's <laughs> they definitely do. We've got to let, let them know. So we're talking uh, this Friday. Um, uh, we're just, I suppose, continuing on in our... Um, fairly long series. Now, we're just tracking with Nick in his uh, series at Timur as he takes his church uh, through some apologetics. Um, mm. But we've worked through a whole bunch of stuff, so go check out some previous episodes there if you want to get caught up to speed. I suppose they, they are nice and standalone, so you don't have to um, be caught up to, to carry on with us now. But, um, yeah, we're uh, looking at our next little bit of, of uh, apologetics, just covering the bases. And uh, what are we talking about today, Nick? So we're basically continuing with our look at science. Uh, the last apologetics talk we did was on miracles. And mm -hmm. that was sort of my segue into the conversation between science and Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, and there we sort of looked at some, just some mindsets and prejudices, which just stopped the conversation. Right. And uh, another big issue is the question of the origins of the universe. Mm -hmm. And then the other question is the origins of life. So today we're going to be looking at origins of the universe and uh, today there are many people who are satisfied atheists because of Big Bang cosmology. Mm -hmm. And uh, they think that Big Bang cosmology is, uh, helps them to be intellectually satisfied so they don't have to worry about a creator. And uh, yeah, so that's what we want to interact with today. Totally. All right. So, um, man, I, I don't know if you're, you're going to be able to do this again, but uh, last time... We went through. Do you have that like story on hand? That um, yes, I do. Okay, awesome. Because uh, <laughs> I, I thought that was a great way to kick it off, and um, and it just sort of all gets right, everyone so, in on the loop. Tell well, us about. Let me lay it out. Yeah. So here is the Big Bang cosmology just, theory. Just, just hang on, guys. Get ready. You're gonna love this. Yeah. You're gonna be convinced. <laughs> I know this is a Christian podcast, but you're actually gonna come out the other side. Uh, Nick yeah. is about to reel you in. Go. So just pull out your calculators. You will need them for the numbers we're about to crunch. Yeah, and they're they're legit numbers though. I mean, wow, 100%. <laughs> All right, let's go. Yeah. Right, so between 10 and 20 billion years ago, 15 billion being about the current favorite, mm. all the matter of the universe was concentrated in a speck smaller than a pinhead, commonly defined as a singularity. Uh -huh. The temperature of that pinhead was so hot that no atoms or even subatomic particles could exist in it. And matter was so dense that the laws of physics couldn't apply. It is therefore commonly accepted that any description of the universe can only go back until a point of, here's the numbers, one ten millionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a second. That's 0 0.43 zeros, one. 
Okay, man. so that's the easy, earliest we can easy. go. We can't go to the actual beginning. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. fair, fair enough. So yeah. just imagine that in your yeah. minds. There yeah. you go. Just just yeah. imagine it. Oh, I totally got it. Okay. Don't worry. I've totally got that yeah, under control. Yeah, no, yeah, you're tracking. Good, yeah. good, good. At this point, the universe underwent a, pe- a period of what they call cosmic inflation. Of course. And this rapid accelerating expansion created ripples otherwise known as quantum fluctuations quantum. in the fabric of space. Mm-hmm. This ensured that matter was not evenly distributed in the newly expanded universe, preparing the way for the later formation of galaxies, stars, and planets. Mm-hmm. So this cosmic inflation also ensured that the resulting universe would be at critical density. So, listen to the contradiction, mm-hmm. apparent contradiction, mm-hmm. it would keep expanding forever, though the rate of expansion would slow down endlessly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, so it's always expanding and it's always slowing down. Contradiction. Well, does it ever come to an end? It's just always. Yeah. All right, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so now, after one ten billionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a second, so we were we were 0.43 zeros, now we're 0.34 zeros. Oh, yeah, okay? totally. The temperature now dropped below 1,000 trillion trillion degrees. That's mm. uh, 10 to the power of 27. And yeah. this temperature enables quarks, 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 the components of protons and neutrons and electrons to form. By this time, the cosmic inflation has already ended, having expanded the universe. So, so imagine that, that, that balloon of the universe expanding. Mm-hmm. You know, how many, what, what was the scale? How, many, how fast did it expand? Hmm. Um, it expanded a million trillion trillion times. That's 10 to the power of 30. Right, that, that's, that's what, what I was thinking. That, more or less. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's that's in the one tenth, ten billionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a second. Of course, around there. You know, imagine a balloon blowing itself up, you know, and they, there you have a bit of a picture of the universe. Right. All right. So at about one ten thousandth of a second into the life of the universe. Oh, this so is my still favorite within part. That first, yeah, we're still within the first second, you know. Uh-huh. The temperature had cooled to 10 to the power of 15 degrees, enabling uh-huh. quarks to bind together to form, to form protons and neutrons. Quarks? Which, along with electrons, mm-hmm. <laughs> are the building block blocks of the atom. Uh-huh. After three minutes, so the universe is three minutes old, mm-hmm. the temperature had dropped to about a billion degrees. You know, just stick your toes in, feel that out, you uh-huh. know, get a sense of the billion enabling degrees. protons and neutrons to bind <laughs> together and form the nuclei of hydrogen and helium, the component elements of the stars. Mm-hmm. Now, at this stage, the universe was about the density of water and would continue to expand and cool in this state for another 300,000 years. Mm-hmm. After those 300,000 years, the temperature falls to about 3,000 degrees. If you step outside your spaceship, everywhere you step out, if you're not stepping into a star, mm-hmm. be around 3,000 degrees. Nice. This temperature allows electrons to bind together with hydrogen and helium nuclei to form hydrogen and helium atoms. Mm-hmm. Now, over the course of the next billion years, gravity began to pull clusters of hydrogen and helium atoms together to form the first quasars and stars, leading eventually to the formation of the Milky Way and other galaxies. Mm-hmm. Another five billion years on, that's about five billion years ago, according to this theory, mm-hmm. the burning hydrogen and helium in the interior of stars produced he- heavier elements such as carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and iron, which were dispersed by stellar winds and supernova explosions. Some of those elements produced new stars while others condensed around stars to create planets. In ah. this way, the system of planets orbiting our sun was formed, planet Earth becoming one of these, and two billion years later, now about three billion years ago, our planet finally produces a suitable atmosphere and sufficient water to sustain life. Ta-da. In other words, the primordial soup. And there yeah. you have it. And That's from the, Big Bang and, cosmology. And, and from primordial soup, it is truly smooth sailing. 
I mean, mm. you know, all the way to, to where we are now. So, yeah, I mean, look, I don't know if that's not going to sell you, then what will at the end of the day? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah, sure. Sure. The little word hypothesis springs to mind, but why yeah, let theory. that get in the way? I like what you said last time, you know, one, two, miss a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, skip a few and we're here. Ta-da. Yeah, exactly. Ta-da. And exactly. Um, it's just, man, it just, it helps to hear it like that. I think just to, just, to, it, you know, uh, listen, there it is. Do you want to take that seriously? You know, jump in. Do you, do you, it doesn't, does it sound like you need to take it on a, on, on a, you know, as a matter of faith? It sounds like you need a lot yeah. more faith to go with that than, than most. I mean, you need to be a man of faith, you know? Um, and, yeah. and we're, we're talking like the blind irrational leap kind of faith too, uh, yeah, rather exactly. than the, the, Hey, let's just move on rationally. But anyways, there we go. A lot of big, so now here's, here's the, the irony with the big bang uh, theory is that it's a new arrival on the scene, but ironically it's actually led to more belief in God, not less. Yes. That's crazy. So previous to this view, um, so before about 1960, the common belief among atheists was that the universe was always there. Mm. So you've heard of uh, Bertrand Russell? Mm, this is crazy. Yeah, the Bertrand. Uh, so I mean, he this guy's a, a Jedi. A, right? There was something called the Great. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah. This is there was something called the Great Debate, which was broadcast on British radio, mm-hmm. and it was the debate between um, two British philosophers, the atheist Bertrand Russell and mm-hmm. the Christian Frederick Copleston, who was a Roman Catholic teacher of philosophy. Um, and I've listened to that debate. I've read the transcript uh, for that debate. You can go and find it on YouTube, mm-hmm. at least a portion of it. And basically what you find is uh, Russell is just able to let the whole cosmological argument, the fact that something comes from nothing, roll off his back, like water off a duck's back, hmm. because the universe was just always there. And right. up until that point, he's able to be satisfied with that because that is the common consensus. Yeah. But wow. things changed. Yes. And then... Boom, the Big Bang Theory comes along and all of a sudden the notion of a beginning is now at the forefront of scientific theories for uh, the universe. Yeah, and they're brushing and the opposite pretty funny hypothesis is, um, out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's pretty funny is that, uh, that they, they scheduled a 50-year anniversary debate uh-huh. to celebrate that one. Yeah. And this one was between William oh, Lane Anthony Craig Flew. and Anthony Flew. Yes. Yes. So he was a, an atheist who ended up dying a theist. Mm. And uh, this particular debate had a very different flavor and tone because all of a sudden you couldn't just, you know, Russell's confident dismissal of the cosmological argument could no longer fly right. in light of this later revolution in science. So yeah. the Big Bang Theory can be helpful mm-hmm. to begin an argument about where does everything come from? Mm-hmm. So from that point of view, it's it's uh, it's been quite helpful. But right. Now, I tell the story um, because Christians need to remember that Mm -hmm. science has progressed and science changes and science has radically reviewed its perspective many times. Mm -hmm. It goes through major paradigm shifts. For example, the change from uh, Newtonian physics to Einstein's theory of relativity, the shift from an eternal universe to Big Bang. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the warning that I would like to ring is that many Christians delight themselves in these latest scientific theories Mm -hmm. and they hitch their theological Mm -hmm. wagons to it. Yeah, yeah. But here's the problem. The Big Bang Theory itself has serious question marks all over it. Mm -hmm. There are big holes in this hypothesis. There are people constantly challenging it. There are alternative models that are always being put forward by scientists. Mm. And... um, if this theory moves on, if it goes the way of Newtonian physics, mm-hmm. and uh, we've hitched our theological wagon to it, 
we're going to go with it. And the yeah. baby's going to be thrown out with the bathwater and Christianity is going to be left. Um, yeah, it's just going to become irrelevant, left behind because mm-hmm. it's it stuck itself to the passing science. Totally. Yeah, and it's not that the scientist is doing a bad thing by exploring and changing and moving forward with various hypotheses and whatnot. I mean, they're doing what they do. And, they're doing you know, what they do. And that's good. And so we applaud that. And uh, I realize I've been a little bit cynical on the Big Bang thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, at, fair enough. Fair game. Go for it, you know. But the problem, as you say, is when we come along and uh, don't learn from history um, at, at many respects uh, w- with our theology and the way we have pegged to previous science and the way that's always gone bad, um, you know, the, 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 the word should be enough for us to just sustain an exegetical argument and um and just lean in on that and um you know and keep totally. from thinking of the bible as a scientific textbook as well um yeah. you know so that that in its you know regardless of whatever is hot in in the science world in that decade um you know it, i think it probably needs to ring an alarm bell if our exegetical conclusions are leading us in the direction of thinking of the bible as a science textbook, you know, that alone yeah. needs to cause us to stop. So, so in terms of apologetics, which is what we're looking at, there is mm. some value in allowing Big Bang cosmology to raise the cosmological argument. But yeah, we've amen. got to be very careful not to put our theological eggs in the Big Bang cosmological basket. Yeah, amen. Yeah, because we don't rest upon the latest scientific theory for, for, for what we believe. We rest upon the scriptures. So how have some Christians and, done that? Um, what are some examples of that? Can you think of anything offhand? Um, in terms of the Big Bang theory and all yeah, that sort of thing, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, I th- the, the the most common example is you know the Earth is flat, <laughs> or the uh, geocentrism. The Earth is right. the center of the universe. Yes. Um, so whatever the the reigning paradigm at the time was, mm-hmm. the church pitches itself to it, mm-hmm. and um, when science actually proves that theory to be wrong, the, the church is left with egg on its face. Right. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Galileo issue comes to mind as well. Um, the um, the other thing I was going to say is um, with regard to the Big Bang Theory, I mean, there's a lot of interesting correlation there to, you know, I don't know, I feel very tempted to talk about the God particle and, you know, all of that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and how you end up just sort of, uh, it seems that it reinforces a lot of classical apologetics. But again, you, you run this... You know, use it, use it as an illustration, use it yep. as something that's there, but don't peg anything to it, rather peg on the word. Um, yeah, that, that's exactly. That's big take home. Yeah, totally. And so I guess I'm not a scientist and everyone in my church is not a scientist. Mm. Well, we've got one geologist. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, we have to try and teach our people how to navigate the relationship between science and faith. Mm. And, yeah. um, you know, there's something called concordism. Mm-hmm. Where you you see the Bible and the, the God's two books, the Book of Nature and the Book of Book of the Bible, and you try and get them to agree, mm. and there's this 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 attempt at a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, the assumption is that God doesn't lie, so because nature is categorized as general revelation and the Bible is special revelation, you know these are two voices that we need to hear in concert with one another. Yeah. Um, and this has led Christians down a wrong path, I think, in many instances. Right. Um, and so they've they've tried and attempted to marry themselves to a particular scientific theory to try and make the Bible work. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I want to step right back from mm-hmm. that. <laughs> totally, totally. I think it's such a real thing. I mean, I think I don't know if I said this last time, but it's um, certainly an opportunity to provide a shameless plug for things like the framework theory 
in uh, Kleinian theology. Now I realize it's it's not everyone's cup of tea, and that that on its own shouldn't really have to sell it. But um, you know, one of the things that really appeals to me about it is that it it sort of says, well, you know, here's what the Bible's saying. It's introducing the whole concept of God and the gospel, and it's it's it, it has that as as its focus point. Um, it's very very. Um, intricately uh, woven in this in terms of its tapestry and pointing people from the very beginning to this covenantal relationship that only Christ can uh, earn for us uh, ultimately in heaven and you know that that's what's going on in Genesis 1 and and so you know just let the scientist do what the scientist does and yeah now you preached through uh, this the framework theory when you did the Genesis 1 yeah absolutely cool so everyone go listen to Mike sermons Totally. Get, a, get a feel for what the framework theory is all about. That's true. Yeah, you can get that on Yeah, the so I mean, my plug here is Sola Scriptura. This is, I mean, what really just smacked me when I was doing my research is mm. we only have one Bible and science is not it. True. There's only one authority that we are bound to believe as the infallible word of God. And it's not science. It's the Bible. Right. And so we can argue over hermeneutics. <laughs> yep, that's our field. But, yep. we can't, we, but we can't argue over whether the Bible is the authority. Yeah, totally. And uh, so, I mean, there are different theories that people have come up with as they have attempted. Uh, mm. We, you know, the gap theory, one mm. of my personal favorite heresies or uh, favorite errors. I think it does so much, but I, and I wish it were true, but it just isn't. Man. Uh, that between Genesis 1 verse 1 and 1 verse 2, there are billions of years and dinosaurs <laughs> like, and the fall of Satan and another know, flood like upon an which alien. the spirit is hovering. It's like an alien theory, right? It's just a... It's, I love it. It just does so much. I just wish it were true. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, not. Wow. There's nothing in the scriptures to substantiate it. Well, so it's just wishful a, thinking. Yeah, totally. There's a little gap. <laughs> yeah. And then you get yeah. things like uh, the progressive creationists or the day age theory. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, which could also be married to a third theory, whereas uh, Moses was called up onto the mountain for 40 days, and over a 24-hour period, he was shown a, a nature movie in fast speed. Wow. Never you know? heard that one. So, yeah, so, the, so, so over a six-day period, Moses watched a six-day-long epic nature movie uh, <laughs> in fast speed. That's that's one theory that I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course, you've got theistic evolution, which is what I like to tackle next time. And I believe that is a Trojan horse. Yeah. I've got some serious biblical reasons for why I don't believe in that. So it's probably a but, bad yeah. time to say that I'm a theistic evolutionist. It'd be a terrible time to say that. <laughs> well, it's good because I'm not. So whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but I'd um, like to so hear that though, because I, I do find like, you know, I used to be totally rabidly against anything to do with that way of thinking but i suppose i've lightened up and so it'd be interesting to see what you have to say well i think here's the bottom line can a person be a christian and believe in theistic evolution of course yeah yeah, right because we're saved by grace we're not saved by orthodoxy Mm -hmm. and it comes down to hermeneutics and hermeneutically speaking i i don't believe it can fly right right so that'll be our next uh our next philosophy friday discussion stay tuned but um so here are here are the things that i have that i'm standing on right now Mm-hmm. with my engagement with science. Mm-hmm. And so there are basically four things that 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 I that help me to be a satisfied biblical Christian. Yeah. And the first thing is the Bible is supreme. So the scripture. Mm-hmm. It may sound childish, but in fact it's a careful nuanced epistemological foundation mm-hmm. which a lot of thought has gone into. Mm-hmm. I'm finite, I'm a sinner, men are liars, we're prone to error, I cannot discover the truth. I need it to be revealed to me and God has spoken in his word. Mm-hmm. And so I need the Bible, mm-hmm. my, my present, my past, my future, my identity, my purpose. The, the, the Bible fills me in on these things. 
yep. and science cannot. Mm-hmm. So we must we must have that as the unquestioned foundation. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I stand on is science is a house divided against itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, in all the reading that I've done, I'm not a scientist, mm-hmm. but um, I've read a lot of scientists and a lot of Christian scientists who pointed out the changes, the inconsistencies, the internal conflicts, one school disagreeing with another school. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that Frank Turek put it. He said this, science doesn't say anything mm-hmm. scientists do. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we have this monolithic monster in our minds. Mm -hmm. Science. Well, Mm -hmm. science says. Mm -hmm. No, science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. And again, that's that's okay. You know, that's fine that they're saying different things. I mean, that's part of the game. But it's just when we think of it as something else, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, and so we can't we can't treat science as a functional word of God to us. Amen. Yeah. To bind our consciences with. Mm Mm-hmm. And so because scientists disagree with each other, the different schools of science disagree with each other, I don't feel the pressure to make science a functional Bible for me. Totally. Science has all sorts of benefits, and we'll talk about that more next week. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's not my Bible. Yeah. And it's then the-, uh, the third thing that I, I think every Christian has to wrestle with mm-hmm. and incorporate into their thinking on the origins of the universe is the universe must have been created with age. So no matter what theory you, you have, right. created with age has to feature into it at some point. Right. And so when God made a mountain, what is a mountain? Mountains are usually the result of two tectonic plates colliding or pulling apart, and uh, the Earth's mantle is revealed or pushed up or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. But a process over time is what gives birth to a mountain. Or rivers. Rivers are the result of water over time following gravity along the path of least resistance. The deeper the river, the older it is. So when God made Adam and Eve in the garden where there were four rivers, Mm -hmm. there was an appearance of age. Their hair will have appeared to have grown for a certain period of time. The question whether Adam had a belly button is a question about did did God give him the appearance of an apparent history of being born? Mm. Uh, Did the the first trees have rings? And my answer is, yeah, probably. Mm Mm-hmm. God created a system. He broke into it, giving it all the appearance of age. So the light between the stars and the earth uh, that looks a billion years old, to my mind, I believe in mature creation, mm-hmm. and that absorbs a lot of the uh, the issues for me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And in doing that, you're, yeah. I, I suppose, presupposing that the theistic evolution thing isn't a real option. And so it's, yeah, you know, otherwise it could be seen as reasons for assuming that. Yeah, yeah totally. So we'll get uh, again, part two next, next Friday. Um, but that sounds good. Yeah. 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 So just maybe one more thing, one more thing. Um, you know, you, you, if you listen to Richard Dawkins and other scientists, they constantly speak about the, the very real possibility of this present paradigm of science, mm-hmm. which they're resting all their athe- atheism upon that it can pass away in one generation with new discoveries. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> but my, my confidence is the word of the Lord stands forever. Yeah. Amen. And this is where we need to rest as Christians. Sounds like a good T-shirt right there. Yeah. Man. <laughs> cool. We've got to print some T-shirts for Two Age Sojourner. Coming up on our one-year yeah. anniversary. We need Say to make some no t-shirts. to intention. Say no to nah. We, oh, yeah. <laughs> We've got to come up with better stuff. That's just that's just totally lame. We could have a that's like divisive of the body of Christ. I know, it's so lame. We need edifying t-shirts. We need and we need a conference like something like doctrine and doxology. That's right. Dox that's much better. <laughs> yeah, that's that that rocks, bro. Doxology rocks. Doxology. Oh man, I'm seeing it come together. <laughs>
<laughs> we might need to go. <laughs> we might need to get some help on this, but um, already good. Yeah, no, that's awesome, and um, hopefully that's helpful to you if you are in that headspace right now, and if you um, have considered some of those things. Uh, but yes, yeah, stay with us uh, throughout the next week, and we'll hopefully hit that that Friday without any hindrance or problem. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Cool, man. Cheers. Bye. Mm-hmm.